here in college. I'm at App State, and I, I just had my mind on the dollar sign, and I had my mind on starting a business. I was known as the next guy on Shark Tank, and I was currently working on uh, reinventing the in-dash cam on cop cars, trying to invent a, a, a submarine type of drone. And I really, I was, a, I was a believer, but I really didn't see myself in any capacity serving the church. Was he involved, engaged as a, like, a, how, what was his, what just from a, a youth pastor, what did you kind of, what were your thoughts of Trey? Would you ever thought he would have been in ministry when you were looking at him senior year? Probably not. I mean, Trey was, I mean, he, for crying out loud, Trey owned his own landscaping company when he was in high school. <laughs> okay. So Trey, I knew Trey as, you know, the guy that would come into church wearing his, you know, his landscaping gear like he'd just come oh, off yeah. from Oh, yeah. I mean, I would come and, straight to youth group with grasses all yeah. on my oh, legs. Did you stink? Did yeah, you man. Stink? I had to make the money, you know. It's like, where's that bounce? You didn't care, did you? I mean, he was employing people. Employing people. I don't care if From I the church. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, no, but Trey was there. I mean, he was, I mean, he was faithful. I don't think he ever it ever registered in my mind that he would be, um, like in ministry. I mean, there wasn't from the time I knew you. I don't think there was ever any a stated desire to to go to seminary or. I mean, it was like Trey was just a hustler, man, entrepreneur uh-huh. mentality. So that's interesting. Yeah. So what? So yeah, go back to where you were. What happened? Yeah. So freshman year, I'm in my dorm and I'm just doing my homework for one of my business classes, and I, I just had this voice in my head. It wasn't it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this voice in my head that said, "You're gonna be a pastor one day." And I had another voice in my head that said, "Oh no, 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 no." <laughs> and it just went back and forth for about thirty seconds, and I, I remember just stopping and thinking, "Okay, that was weird. I'm gonna pretend like that never happened," and. It's crazy because something that I believe is that you can't ever run away from God calling you to do something. And he, he, he used people and spoke through people. And I had several people afterwards that started asking me, hey, Trey, have you ever considered going into ministry? Which, again, was a huge shock to me because the word on the street, especially in the business uh, department at App State, was Trey's going to be the next guy on Shark Tank. And people were trying to figure out how to partner with me and create ideas, and I was partnering with other people. So there must have been some ministerial gifts coming out, though, in some way. Is that right? Right. I I guess to be honest, I have no clue where this this even came from, okay. except that God was just using people and speaking. Were you posting people. a lot of scripture on Facebook or anything <laughs> like that? No. 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 Yeah, and it's crazy because I remember. I was kind of at that final little step where it's like, okay, I'm gonna see what my parents have to say about this. And if they approve, then I'll try to figure out what this is all about. So it was a Friday night and I decided to go drive back to my hometown and to surprise my parents with the intentions of having the conversation of, hey, do you guys see me potentially being in in ministry? And I go home and we're starting to talk and it's funny because my mom and I, we can chat till 1 a.m. And my dad, he's lights out 10 p.m. kind of guy. And so my mom and I are talking, and my dad's, like, rolling over saying, guys, just stop talking. Like, let's just go to bed. And we we get to talking. Then my mom looks at me. She says, hey, Trey, you ever consider going into ministry? Well, and I just remember, like, covering my, my, my head with my hand and thinking, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, that's actually the reason why I came here to Charlotte was to ask you guys that question is what's your thoughts if – if I go into ministry. And I remember as soon as I said that for the first time ever, I saw my dad roll over while sleeping and wanting to now talk at like midnight. Really? Yeah. Wow. Was he excited about you bringing that up? I, he, he was excited, but it was also a surprise, you know, because like Justin was saying that I, I was, I didn't have the reputation of being the guy of going into ministry. Like my reputation was the next guy to own a business or to start a new business. And it just goes to show how God can use you wherever you're at in life, but also God can call you wherever you're at in life. Mm-hmm. And he might call you to a season or a stage that you never even saw coming right in front of you. And that's interesting. You know, a lot of what um, even in you see in like Christian help, self-help books is that you have to really take inventory of all your like gifts and passions to really determine what your calling is. Do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I think you got the whole um, 
but that didn't happen in his case. Yeah, I mean, we'll push people. I think we've, I mean, some of the things you said will freak a lot of Baptists and stuff out, you know, like, I actually heard God, you know, so what (laughs) what he's saying is like, I think sometimes we don't maybe expect that God can still just call somebody like he did in the Bible, like they, they were, like Jesus called his disciples, they were busy in their profession one one second and the next second they're leaving it all behind and following yeah, the Lord. Now exactly. we overcomplicate things. Way overcomplicated. To where yeah. we we don't believe that people can just actually hear from hear from God and the indwelling of the Spirit to call people and because it freaks you out when you're like, Did I really hear this? You know, yeah. Am, am I really sensing the Lord calling me without um taking these tests or that's right reading the books and i think there's one passage that comes to my mind that a lot of christians quote is that i can do above all you could ever ask or imagine and so that referencing to god doing above all we could ever ask or imagine and we love quoting that and we love sharing that on our instagram story snapchat facebook and all that stuff but something that i feel like we don't fully understand and comprehend is that if god can do above all we could ever ask or imagine that means he's going to do things outside the box, number one. But number two, he's also going to do things that we can never comprehend. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to do things where we're going to say, well, I didn't see that coming. And mm-hmm. kind of like you're saying, it wasn't like I took this spiritual assessment test and it's like, oh, congratulations, you qualified to be a pastor. Right. Like God just will meet you where you're at and he will do things that you couldn't comprehend. Right. Right. Yeah, because I would even sense like a lot of people would see themselves gifted in a business like you are. Who, may, who, who would be Christian and say, oh, I must, you know, be a business, Christ, a Christian business person and use this for, for God. But God may say, you know, there's just no way to really dictate what God's going to do or how he's going to do it, especially right. when it comes to what you're called to do. Yeah. And that's really, it seemed more, more than what I experienced. That's his domain. Yeah. And, and trying to listen to the voice of God more than the voice of other people can be tough because when you're in those pivotal moments, everybody has an op- opinion. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to just say, all right, Lord, what would you have mm-hmm. have me to do? Even mm-hmm. if it seems so, you know, counterintuitive or against sort of the path you were on. Because um, a lot of people would say, oh, man, you should just keep going, probably go develop this, these ideas you have and make all this money and give it, give it to the church, you know? Yeah. Um, which would be great too. Yeah. You know, we need people like that, but, uh, that's not the path the Lord had for you clearly. Yeah. 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 You know, you can still develop something, you know, that's true. That's true. Well, I think something that's crazy about the gospels. I, I think this is in John where we see Jesus needed by people at certain times and he himself drawing away to be with God and him drawn away to be with God, to hear from God, and then leaving that place and then acting. And then the second he begins to act, he gets criticized, and people start rebuking him and calling him a hypocrite and saying, are you actually who you're saying you are? And so that's something to just to remember, whether you're in the church world or you're in a business or maybe you're a teacher or anything, is sometimes when you hear God's voice, people are going to look at you and they're going to contradict that, and they're going to they're going to they're going to look at you like you're crazy and so sometimes if we don't move on god's voice or that little prompting that maybe we have of of doing something because we know if we start it somebody is going to say oh you shouldn't do that but we need to remember that one if we are drawing near to god he will draw near to us we know that we have christ if we surrender our life to christ that we have the holy spirit living inside of us which the holy spirit's living inside of us he's not only searching our heart and our thoughts but the same with god's and so he's connecting those two. And so we need to we need to live in a way of where we can't we can't do things for the approval of people. Mm-hmm. If if you feel God calling you to do something out of the ordinary, do it. And he's gonna protect you. Because yeah, there's such a thing as spiritual warfare and people are gonna attack you and people may attack you in ways you didn't even see coming, but something that the devil's going to do is he's going to attack you by distracting you and distracting you from hearing God's voice and God's God calling you to go do something. And the reason why he's distracting you is because he wants, he knows he's been destroyed, but he 
he doesn't want you to fully believe that he's been destroyed. And so the way he's going to do that is by distracting you. And I was, um, I was, I was speaking to some students and, and telling them how the devil likes to play mind games. And in fact, Paul warns us of that and saying that we need to take every thought captive and we need to hold it to what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so we know that part of spiritual warfare is how the enemy is going to attack us in our thought process. And so, yeah, sometimes it's okay to do things out of the ordinary and do things that aren't of tradition. And we need to realize that, hey, it's 2019 and God is just as alive in 2019 compared to B.C. and 100 A.D. or in 1500s like God is still alive and moving and if we want to if we want to be used by him it's going to mean new ideas are going to come out of it we have a we have a a new generation that we got to reach and the methods that we reach this generation is going to look completely different than the way we reached previous generations I'm not saying how we reach previous generations wrong I'm saying it worked for that time but now there might be new methods in which we reach a generation now, let me let me ask you about this, because I think this is relevant to today's culture and the, the audience that you particularly speak to, because those we haven't told you, uh, Trey is a youth pastor, so um, he speaks to young people right now and, and leads them, but Justin was also a youth pastor, and he's got three girls, but uh, in today's, especially like Instagram culture, it's encouraged to do uh, the abnormal and the crazy things uh, not from a Christian perspective, but just, you know, bent towards, I, I, like, I think there's a new kind of campaign where people are supposed to uh, go out and take uh, risky pictures with uh, dangerous animals, Whoa. you know? Um, now that's somebody saying, okay, I'm going to do something ridiculous, you know, but that's not God, you know? So you got to be clear, right? You know, right. about that voice, the devil could even disguise himself. Oh, do this crazy, you know, out of the ordinary kind of thing. But that may not be the Lord. Right. 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 How do you distinguish and how do you communicate that to your students who are already hearing, hey, do the wild and crazy, you know, get more likes on your page, you know? Yeah, that's good. I would say I've, I've encouraged students that they need to draw near to God and he's going to draw near to them. So how do you draw near to God? How do you do? How do you discern the voice of God? Well, we know that the Bible is one hundred percent truth, and so I tell them that if they ever have a thought that seems crazy, how do you distinguish if that's of God or if that's maybe of Satan or of the yeah. enemy? Yeah, line it up to Scripture, and if it contradicts the Scripture, then that's definitely the voice of the enemy. But if it doesn't contradict Scripture, then maybe bring in a peer and ask them for their opinion, or maybe ask for a mentor, or maybe another friend who's pursuing Christ and, and just run it past them. And if they validate that and it lines up with scripture and there's you pray and you receive this peace from it, then I would say that that, that voice or that thought is of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So what did it look like for you to be obedient then? To kind of, you heard God's voice, uh, talked to your parents about it, you sought counsel. Um, you know, what, what changed after... You know, you get in the car and you go back to go back to Boone and you're like, all right, I'm going to be obedient, head in this direction. What, you know, how did the Lord chart the course for you and what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I believe that if God is ever calling somebody somewhere, he, he's going to do it by giving a passion for it. He's going to open up a door. There's going to be opportunities that are available and you're going you're gonna to notice your gifts and you're also going to receive affirmation. And so for me, when I left the car, I realized the passion was there, but there weren't any opportunities. So I kind of was frozen driving back to Charlotte, or I'm sorry, driving back to Boone to App State and thinking, okay, so what's next? And I realized the next step for me was to pray for opportunities. Hmm. And long story short, I ended up finishing my freshman year and I'm packing up my dorm to come back home for the summer and Shortly after the, the the freshman year had ended, my family was going on a trip out to California. And I remember being on the plane with my mom and, and just saying, all right, summer's starting. Um, I had turned down an internship for a supply chain management company, and it didn't make sense to me why I turned it down. But my dad told me, he said, hey, I just don't have a good feeling about this. 
And for whatever reason, I decided to listen to him because I still was in that stage in life of where my parents would tell me to do something. I would want to do the opposite. <laughs> but that one time I listened to him <laughs> and, and it's so cool to see how God can even speak through other people and use other people to help get you into the path that you need to be on. So I go on this vacation, I'm on the plane and I'm just praying for God to open up opportunities. And again, this is the summer has started. So that means summer internships are already starting, if not about to begin. And I go out to St. Francisco, so I'm completely away from my hometown, all the way on the other side of the country. And by the time I came back from that trip, I had two opportunities to serve in the church. And so here I was just blown away by how God just opened up a door out of of nowhere, Hmm. even like when I was on vacation with my family. And so I, I, I remember just saying, all right, God, here are these two doors and talk to both people. And I just had a peace, a very, very strong peace towards this one door that didn't make any sense because it was a church I was totally unfamiliar with. I had never been there before. And it was a church that uh, was, was sort of dying. And I just had a really strong peace to go there. And so I remember talking to my parents and saying, hey, I just have this strong peace to go to this one church. And there's no money involved with it. And I just started interning there. And after two weeks, I asked one guy, I said, hey, I said, how do you know if you're called somewhere? Or how do you know if you're called into ministry compared to like called to business? And he said, well, you're gonna feel this sense of joy and fulfillment like you've never felt before. And I remember a few weeks after that, I remember driving home and thinking, wow, I've never felt more joy and fulfillment than serving the church. And I was serving for 60 plus hours a week, not getting paid a dime. When before my mom would ask me to volunteer back in high school and I would tell her, hey, they're gonna pay me. And she would say no. And I'm like, well, you're not talking money. I don't wanna talk. I'm like, not serving a VBS. Right. The church ain't gonna pay me to serve a VBS. Right. And so it was just cool to see how God called me and then he opened up the door for opportunities and people started affirming my gifts. But then also God was doing a lot of work in my heart because my heart was just so greedy and it was just driven by wealth and money, fame, and like the approval of other people. And just seeing how God took this internship that really stretched me and he started doing like a heart surgery on me to prepare me for the other seasons in life. So we haven't talked about this, but so the two opportunities he's talking about, one of them was actually an opportunity I reached out to him about. Yeah. What, that he denied or that, that he denied? Oh, yeah. What was but it? it wasn't just me. I mean, no. there was other parties. No, it wasn't just Justin. It was uh, it was other parties. Involved. Wait, when he had the the bad heart is what he no, said. No, no, the when green he had, heart or the, when, when he, his heart was changing. So because I had heard like all right, okay, his parents. The two opportunities. Yeah, he had. the two opportunities okay. that he had when he's yeah. on. Because I think I was corresponding with him. Yeah. When he was out west, because his mom or yeah. somebody had said, hey, you know, Trey, Lord's really doing some things in Trey Trey's life, and you know, we had this, you know internship program and there was a couple spots I think that needed yeah. filled and I was like well let's let's reach out to Trey and I can remember meeting with Trey with another another pastor on staff and you know Trey turned us down man Justin I'm sorry <laughs> if I haven't apologized I apologize now I, I, God's much <laughs> bigger than that man there's no yeah. I don't care I just think it's funny. <laughs> well, hey, he doesn't become... care now, but I wonder if he cared back then. Nah, I didn't, I didn't yeah, care. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I cried a little yeah, bit. Uh. <laughs> but he may have not been able to have experienced that joy and fulfillment. Because our internship was paid. I mean, he walked, you know, yeah. to, to go there. I mean, that the Lord just was yeah. definitely in that. Yeah, that's, it, again, so crazy. Your life. It's crazy how God will open up a door that doesn't make any sense and it's just so important to move especially when you feel that peace especially when you take a step into the unknown and i wasn't i wasn't good at closing the deal obviously is what some people would say (laughs) my my, my influence and my my sales ability fell fell short and offering the pitch and landing the plane and getting them in i wouldn't put it all on you brother it sounds like you know the lord was involved here (laughs) yeah yeah so what? Uh, so what? This you you were pursuing ministry though all the way through the rest of your college, right? Like that was what you were gonna do. Yeah, dude, you went to like a huge church for an internship. Yeah, people 
everybody would probably yeah know. so ended up interning at harvest bible chapel and that's a church up in chicago illinois and it was crazy my experience over there as i was going to be the um, pastoral intern and i remember packing up my bags moving all the way out to chicago 13 hours away from home and having these certain expectations and is this during college or after college this is during college okay this is during college yep yes this is during college and move up to chicago didn't know anybody there so it was again out of my comfort zone and within a few weeks my agenda and the expectation I had for the internship changed drastically mm-hmm. next thing you know the guy who was my mentor goes on sabbatical and I remember just being really frustrated on the inside of thinking god why in the world are you taking me to Chicago when I'm supposed to have this mentor for for 10 weeks who's supposed to help me with pastoral help helping me with counseling and figuring out how to run a church and and then this guy goes on sabbatical Hmm. and I remember just being in this place kind of of what do I like what do I do and just depending on the Lord and and choosing to ask him for wisdom and guidance and I remember just complaining a lot about Hmm. that season and now that I'm out of that season, I can look back and I can see how God was preparing me in that season for my next season. Because I went six weeks without a mentor and I was told, hey, can you be the campus pastor? And thinking, I don't know what in the world this is. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I remember getting calls from people asking for counseling advice. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, 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 I am no no help here. Like you're like 20, something, 20 yeah, 21. Yeah, and then... <laughs> have you ever <laughs> you know what I just recalled is that what that meme I got this hold my beer <laughs> I, wasn't hey, saying, I wasn't saying you were you had a beer in your hand but I could just imagine you'd be like you need counseling yeah I got this yeah <laughs> hold my beer <laughs> yeah yeah that's a meme folks if uh yeah, you, it's kind of yeah never mind <laughs> So it's just it's it's just crazy though because I I didn't realize that six months after then I would graduate college, and once I graduated college I I accepted a role in a church um, from my hometown as the high school and college associate pastor, and I was there for several weeks and um, as I was there I was I was talking to my boss and we had a really strong student ministry team and we saw a lot of youth groups in the area that were struggling. And they're struggling because either they didn't have a youth pastor or they were trying to hire a youth pastor really quickly and sometimes hiring the wrong youth pastor. And I remember us sitting there thinking, okay, well, how can we, how can we help? How can we, how can we help the church? How can we use what God's gifted us here to help other people? And so we, we formed this uh, student ministry, um, student ministry uh, program to where we would have different packages we offer to churches that would either include, hey, we're saying this guy just to preach for your youth group, and the, that would be the bronze package. Silver package would be, hey, they'd preach, and then we'll have a youth band. And then the gold package would be, hey, we just run the whole, we run the whole student ministry for you. Does it include fog machines? It, it includes fog machines. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> ooh, the dodgeballs. That's the gold package. Okay. So if you're willing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might be. What's the platinum? The yeah. platinum. That's that's like the Nerf guns, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. When does Gaga come in? Gaga's always in student ministry. Oh, okay. Yeah, you always gotta have what's Gaga. Go, what's Gaga? Gaga ball, man. Oh, it's legit. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. So, so here, so here we are with this new new agriculture program that we created, and. Um, it's definitely not called agriculture. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we here we are, we created this new program and there's a church that reaches out to us and um they didn't have it they had a youth pastor for about a year and I ended up stepping into that role to be the interim and it's twenty one years old. What That's, package was that? That was gonna be the gold package. Did you you didn't try to upsell them? <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't give them the platinum. I could see you you're good on the gold, but 
let me tell you about this platinum package. Yeah. <laughs> we got these Nerf guns that you, you, you want to have. <laughs> how many kids do you really want to see That's saved? Right. That's you right. That's right. Yeah, how many guaranteed salvations yeah. come with the platinum, the gold? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you get any kind of like being a business guy? Do you get any kind of like uh, royalty off of salvations? Like, here's the gold <laughs> package up front. It's going to be five thousand. All right. Well, it's but more like any salvations that come in, I get a royalty. <laughs> yeah, baptism. Yeah, then to get baptized. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Then you go from a quarter to like a dollar bill per person. Yeah. yeah if per they person, if yeah. they if they lead somebody to Christ, that's like that ups your royalty, right? Like a oh, pyramid. Yeah, Good yeah pyramid that's scheme, right, man. Hey, man, this is something to hash out late. later. Yeah, we'll, we'll hash this out. After. Okay, continue, oh, yeah. brother. Sorry. You're, you're good. So here I am with doing like this interim type of position and honestly not knowing what in the world I'm doing. Like there were so many car rides that I had. Of It's about a 30-minute commute from the church to my home, and I remember just cutting off all music, podcasts, and just – praying and saying, God, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. Now, did you have to leave the church that you were at to go and do this? or I you, did, was... sort of. So the deal that we worked out was I would meet up with the church once a week to touch base, uh-huh. and there would kind of be some coaching skills, and I could reach out to them if I needed help. But I, my office was at this other church. So I pretty much had packed up my bags from the church that was sending me, and now at a new church. And we didn't know for how long. Okay. We didn't know if this was going to be for a couple months a year and what ended up happening was after three four months they actually offered me the full-time job to be the student pastor and i remember just thinking what in the world <laughs> this is crazy it just doesn't make sense because the credentials that they were looking for i didn't meet any of them mm-hmm. and i just i just remember thinking wow god they are desperate yeah they are desperate. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding man go ahead <laughs> But yeah, that's you were that good. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. You were that good. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been there for the the past year and some change. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So now let's bring us back because then you got hooked back up with Justin, right? Yeah. 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 Tell us about that. What happened there? Yeah. So it's cool because I know we we kind of were joking earlier about how Justin open, offered a an internship and I I, de- I declined it, but. I see how God's hand was through everything. So I remember getting a text from Justin out of the blue saying, hey, man, I hear you're in the area. Let's catch up. And I remember either grabbing coffee or lunch with him, and we just started talking. I remember thinking, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I never expected to get this type of relationship with him. And just at God's timing and and how appropriate it was, you you just see how God was just behind the scenes knowing, like, hey, even though he may have just offered you an internship, while you were in college, he led me to another church, but then he placed Justin back on my path at a time of when I really was was needing help with student ministry. And Justin, I know he's been in youth ministry for what, 12, 15 years? Is that right? Uh, I was 13 before 13? I... Yeah. 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 And I just remember just sitting down with him and just picking his brain and asking for help and counsel on how to even how to even run a student ministry because there's so much because you've got expectations from a student of how they want a student ministry. You have expectations from the staff of how they want the student ministry to be run. You have expectations from parents of how they want you to run a student ministry and disciple their kids. And you also have expectations from leaders within your student ministry and how they, they want you to run the student ministry. And then you have God, you believe through a spirit, like right. maybe giving you like a direction. Somewhere. Yeah. So now that Justin, that you're on this side of student ministry, you know, kind of doing what the work that we're doing through Charlotte Awake and how you kind of see things differently than maybe you were when you were running student ministry. What was your advice to Trey when he reaches out and asks these kind of questions that seem probably, I'm assuming, more organizational, you know, in context? How did you what what was your advice? I think the reason that I reached reached back out to Trey was the mic um the fact that because i understood like coming out of student ministry and seeing so many years and like hiring (coughs) directors and different positions and seeing young younger and then remembering myself what it was like because i was 23 when i became a youth pastor at a a big church 
and I, I knew those expectations. So my heart was for me. And so I think reaching out, um, but I saw something in Trey, I think even in our initial conversations that were different than the typical, the questions he was asking were different than what a typical youth pastor would sort of be asking. I sort of like got what? this, I sort of, and you know, I got this sense from Trey that he wasn't just concerned about growing a youth group in terms of numbers and sort of this, what we would call an attractional model youth ministry, but he was really concerned about discipling kids, seeing them make disciples, um, but also recognizing, hey, there, this, there is an organization. And I felt like that's where, you know, I think I could help and where it did help. And then he just needed support. I mean, he needed um, leaders and he needed other people to surround him. And I think and when we actually figured it out, you had very few leaders um, that were that were there to invest in the students. So it was a... Now, is that true, Trey? Were you not interested in an, a, like a typical attractional-based youth group and really focused on discipleship? Yeah, yeah. So why, why, how, I don't understand. What, what brought you to that place, being that you were a guy who was focused on business, which is more of a quantitative, you know, kind of structure, you know, where business is measured, you know, usually in numbers. Why weren't you really focused on that and as a as a good way to do youth ministry? Right. So I feel like in in business and church they have something in common is that you want to see things reproduce. And whether it's business or in church world, you you want to see you want to see numbers go up. In business you want to see numbers go up because you want to see you want to see your product that you're offering. You want to see the world buying it. Like you want to see your net worth go up. You want to see your company's net worth. You want to see things grow. But in, in the church world, you want to see numbers go up because you there's souls at stake. Like there's a reason why you see in Acts how in the very beginning in chapter 2 that, that they're saying how 3,000 people came to Christ. Like there's a reason why the Bible sometimes gives exact numbers. Not because like we need to worship a number, but to show that, hey, there's growth here. And something about following Jesus is that there should be growth and there should be movements that, that come out of Christianity. It shouldn't be dull and boring. And something I saw with an attractional model is that usually results in addition, not, not multiplication. So something in reproduction is sometimes we, we view, okay, if I want to get that number up, I'm going to have to add rather than multiply. What I mean by multiplying is investing in somebody. And if you truly want to invest in somebody, that means that sometimes there's going to be subtraction. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you are investing in somebody and pouring into them as a disciple of Christ, God's probably going to call them to go somewhere one day. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're mm-hmm. going to lose a number from your, 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 your number from your ministry you're working in. You're going to lose that number, but essentially you're, you're starting something somewhere else. So now you're reproducing somewhere else where you don't even have your hands on. And so that's what multiplication is, is you're seeing reproduction, not through addition, but through multiplication by investing in somebody. And I love, I love just this mentality of what if we started investing in somebody and saying, now you invest in somebody. Or in, in essence, hey, I'm going to have a kid and they have a kid. Like, and we're going to see a generation effect. And that's where you're going to see a ripple effect. That's where you're going to see, you're going to see reproduction in a larger scale. Even though your scale that you might be modeling out of is just your exact ministry might be smaller. But if you take a step back, you can see how there's been different pockets and of reproduction, and you've seen a larger number that your hand's not even on because you've released that person. They're over there. They're multiplying. They're reproducing. Mm. So. I kind of viewed youth ministry as, yeah, like you want, you want the youth group to be something where students come to, but you don't want them to come to it just because it's like, wow, that was so dope. Like the lights were so cool. It was completely fogged out. But you want students to come to youth group because they, they've encountered God in some shape or form, whether that's through the preaching of his word, through worship, or, for, or through the community. That's where I see a lot of church growth happen in Acts. 
is by community gathering together, loving each other, caring for each other, but also praying big prayers, worshiping God through songs and through his word. And so that's how I view student ministry is let's not just have some really cute event where we have the biggest blow up inflatable thing and we have a thousand dollar grand prize for the winner of a certain tournament Mm -hmm. but rather if we invest in somebody and they've encountered god they're going to want to serve god and do things for god and then it's just going to be a trickle effect for those that are listening to this how how normal is that kind of understanding is that is that a radical idea or is that a is that a generally understood method of doing youth ministry? Yeah, it's it's not it's not an understood way of doing youth ministry. I've gotten a lot of pushback from people. You have, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of pushback, and something that I've really struggled with is thinking that I need my results are based off of my performance, mm-hmm. and it's not. Like, all God cares about is us being present, dwelling in his presence, and being faithful. And so, for any of of you guys listening right now that may be struggling something, whether it's organizationally or maybe you feel the pressure of having to perform a certain way, I just want to encourage you with this. God hasn't called you to perform. He's called you to be faithful. And being faithful means holding true to that that word that he may have spoken into you or that 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 decision that you need to make that might be out of the ordinary and might shock people to where they think that you're crazy for that idea. But one word from God can change everything because one word from God changed my life. One word from God changed the whole world. One word from God went from us being distant from him to bringing us back into him and being in his presence and in a relationship with him. So we told you about like, Hey, go into ministry and be a pastor. But was there ever a time where he said, this is how you should do ministry? How did you come to that? Yeah, I would say for a lot of people, you think that, well, we just need to sit here on the couch and we need to think of how to do ministry and then go do it. Hmm. For me, it's been go do it. And I'm going to show you along the way. And as I've been doing things, I've seen some things that work and don't work. And sometimes I've seen things that don't work and realized that thought I had in my head wasn't actually God's voice. It was actually my own voice. And so as I've gone and done ministry, I've started to see things that work and things that don't work. And I've seen that when you have an attractional model that, yeah, it might be appealing to somebody to come to some program, but it's not creating a life change. And I'm not signed up to be in the student ministry business where we're just having some really fun activity like I, my calling and what I believe God is calling me to do is to invest in people that are going to invest in others. The name of our student ministry is Vessel, and the reason why I called it Vessel is, is based out of Second Timothy, is that we all are God's chosen vessel that's uniquely crafted, and as we are pursuing Him, He's making us holy. So each one of us are a uniquely crafted and gifted vessel that's meant to be used for God and used for His kingdom wherever He sends us. So he might send you into the baseball field. He might send you at a round table. He might send, send you to a neighborhood. He may send you somewhere you don't even realize it, but there's a reason for that. And I want to train students and parents that, hey, you have a sphere of influence that God has entrusted you with, and I want to teach you how to be able to reach those people within your sphere of influence and, and point them to Christ and show them what he's done in your life and be able to communicate that with people with boldness and confidence and once we start communicating all the things that God has done, it's going to wake up the world. Like this last night, we were at Chick-fil-A with some of the youth, and there was this girl who doesn't believe in God. Um, she's got different religious backgrounds, but she came out to our youth group, and then she came to Chick-fil-A, and I had one student that was telling another student who's trying to learn more about God, all about what God has been doing in his life. And it's crazy because if you think about this, there's, there's a ripple effect. Here, I've invested in this one student, and now he's investing in this other student who has questions about God. While he's also influencing this girl who doesn't have a relationship with God at all and has all this other different religious background. And I remember getting back in my car and thinking, that's what it's about. Even in the times of when there's pressure to perform a certain way, whether that's from your own standards or from your peers or staff or parents, even when there's pressure to perform, 
God's ultimately called you to be faithful. And when you start seeing some of that fruit, man, it's so worth it. It's so worth it, even through the struggle and the hard times, because this has probably been one of the toughest weeks of ministry for me. And that some people have just kind of questioned some of my decisions that that I've made. Some people have just questioned the way that I'm, I'm leading through details, because I'll just be honest with you, I am not good with details at all. That is one of my biggest weaknesses. I'm so bad with details. And just so bad. Uh-huh. I can't even I emphasize think a lot of it enough. Yeah. That are in ministry can resonate with, with with that. Right. And so I don't want to make an excuse in saying, oh, this is my weakness. I'm going to cop out and I'm not going to worry about it. But I think that God can do things through messy people. Just because my I may not be organized through details doesn't mean that God can't move. Like last night was pure evidence of just seeing God's hand of just a revival happening within a student ministry, even though if you get behind the scenes, it's it's kind of messy as far as details and logistics go. But God's moving. Mm-hmm. God's hand is moving, and He is waking up souls. He is breathing into dry bones. So when you, I mean, think think ahead. I mean, what would and you pray and you ask like, what do you see? What would you like the student ministry? to be what what would you like to see your see the students doing every day and what I mean what do you see and what are you praying and asking God to do yeah I'm I'm praying and asking God that each student would recognize their sphere of influence that they're in and that they wouldn't just waste that time away but instead that they would look at that as an opportunity to be used to expand God's kingdom and to share their story and to glorify him and so my my whole thought process behind student ministry is everything we do, how are we pouring into a, a student to where they're pouring into somebody else? How, how are we pouring into a student where they can hold a Bible and they can open it up and read it with confidence and then read it out loud with their friend and then have their friend read it with somebody else and be able to pull out practical application steps? How can, how can a student share all that God has done in their life with other people? How can they share the stories where God came through even through the difficult situation? How can a student share that, hey, God is alive and moving, and he's He's writing a new song. He's writing a new song, and he's doing a new thing. He's doing a brand new thing. Like, he's breathing fresh air over students' lives. He's bringing fresh air over every city and being able to communicate that, but also looking to be expectant, being expectant that, hey, God is God is fully capable of doing this. I just have to make myself available to be used by him. You know, it's a, as you as folks as you hear, you know, Trey speak and and Justin speak. One of the things is, you know, especially when he's talking about being faithful to the call. A lot of confusion or I think um yeah, a lot of conflict happens in the church and especially in leadership roles in the church is when the body, Christians within the body of of Christ, the church, misunderstand what the pastoral role is supposed to be. You know, like folks, if you got kids and you're listening to Trey speak, would you like Trey to operate and function as he's talking now? And how he's so concerned about, you know, the, the kids that are in his youth group, their, you know, spiritual you know, place with the Lord and investing in the child, you know, loving the child, befriending the child? Or would you be more concerned about how well he is hosting an event? Yeah. I you mean, know? and that's what's the tragedy, I think, in the American church is. I mean, when you look at the Bible, and the Bible's way more concerned about the character of a pastor than the character the, than their competency to execute a an summer event. camp. Yes. And when you what does what does a pastor mean? What is that? What do do people even understand what pastoring people? What that word pastoring people means? I think some people probably do. Or do they now just accept it as a leadership title? Pastor so and so is this, and this is their this is their organizational title. Or do 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 folk? I think we've really lost what the meaning is of what a pastor is. Yeah, I think people need to. We need to go read First Timothy three and Titus one and 
really just make sure that we're valuing the things that God values in terms of his church. God doesn't, the Bible, New Testament doesn't say a whole lot about how the church should look and function, but it does say an awful lot about the pastors and those who, who lead the church and their character. And I think we, broad brushstroke here, elevate competency way more than character, even when we go to hire people. And whether um, they shepherd whether, sheep. Yeah, whether they're shepherding, we don't really care that. And like what Trey's right. talking about, the story you just told, Chick-fil-A, that's one heart at a time. That's right. And that's not huge. I mean, the the church growth magazines aren't going to celebrate that one conversation at Chick-fil-A. Now, they'll celebrate a 2,000, 3,000-person event. Um, mm-hmm. But probably this Sunday at your church, nobody's going to stand up and tell the story about one harder time. But if you threw an event and you had 2,000 kids come, it's true. People would talk about that. That's right. And that's where I think faithful. I, I believe the measure of success is faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And are you faithful to the call God has on your life? Um, that's the best metric. And I think that's what people in ministry struggle with is um, the metrics are wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Way, way wrong. Um, so what are some other things that you're seeing, Trey, happen in the student ministry? Yeah. I, this multiplication and evangelism. Yeah, so one thing I'm seeing a part of when you're investing in a student or you're investing in a, in a person is how important it is not to quit. I feel like that we're so result-driven that we expect to talk to somebody one time and have life change immediately. <sighs> doesn't and, happen. And if they don't have that life change immediately, then we say, oh, okay, I quit. Yeah. Um, life change takes time. It's difficult. I I have a barber who I've been going to for six years, and he's got he's got some stuff that's going on in his home life, especially with his marriage. And every time I go to him, we, we end up talking about all the things that are going on in life, and it's it's heavy stuff. I mean, I come out, and sometimes I feel drained. Just being honest, I mean, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to get my hair cut. Mm. And here I am almost feeling like I'm in a counseling session, mm. but I feel called to be faithful to this guy. I feel called to love on this guy, care for him, ask him how his marriage is going, tell him I'm praying for him because I am praying for him. I'm believing that God's going to restore his marriage. And crazy story on Monday, I went in to get my hair cut and I asked him how he was doing. And he said, I'm doing so good. And I just looked at him, I was like, well, wait, what? I was like, that's awesome. I said, why are you doing so good? And he just said, well, my marriage has gotten so much better. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, God's just been working in my heart. And I realized I've been having the wrong perspective this whole time. Hmm. My wife is great. She has so many amazing qualities, but I was focusing on like the one or two negative qualities and allowing that to drive the way I viewed her. Mm-hmm. And then he said that God has been working in his heart and realizing that, hey, I'm saved. So that means that when I die, like I'm going to heaven. So anything I do here on earth is going to go away. And he says, just change the way that like my perspective on life, the way I, I talk to my, my customers, the way I talk to my, my wife, my kids. And that took time. That took six years. I've got two students that they, they ended up speaking at a, at a school this week in front of one to 200 10th graders. And they were, they were teaching a Bible class. And after they had taught that Bible class, there were students that started coming up to them saying, I want to know more about this God you're talking about. People realizing that there's, there's a God of this universe that's real and not fake and not some fairy tale. And then there's one student in particular that was there listening who then just started ca- catching the fire. And then he starts talking to his friends who ask questions about God and then saying, well, I don't have any friends. And it's just this ripple effect. And I just say all that because that one person that you're investing in, don't quit on them because it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to quit when things don't give you what you want immediately. And something that God's really been putting on my heart for the past six months is don't quit, just wait. Don't quit, just wait. Because God's doing a new thing. Even during the difficulties, even during the times where we just don't understand, God is always working everything together for our good and his glory.
And we got to believe that. And we got to believe that even in the times of discomfort, that he is working things for our good and his glory. And we got to press into him during the times when it's difficult to understand that. We got to press into him the times of when we just feel like quitting. <laughs> we got to rely on him because it's so much easier to quit than to wait. But there's... um, Quit what? I'm, quit as in quit giving up on a person. Maybe it's quit on the job that you're in. Maybe it's... it's I don't know, whatever that thing is that is difficult. But it, yours, you're, you've been talking about the person. Right, the person, yeah. You know, I, it kind of bucks up against uh, um, uh, more of a recent kind of um, proverb is quit hanging out with negative people. <laughs> yeah. You know, only associate yourself. Toxic people. Toxic people. You know, only get around people that will elevate you and help you go to the next level, you know. Uh, have you have you guys heard that? Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is actually contrary to, you know, a lot of today's good speak, mm. you know, but I but I believe I mean, I, I believe you're 100 percent right. Mm. You're absolutely right. You know, it's those people that are hurting, you know, that that need uh, God more than anybody. And we as Christians, we have God, you know, and are able to share them. You know, no matter how, and no matter how long it takes, you know, or how long God is calling you to witness and bear witness to Him. So, of course, He can tell you to, you know, bug out if it, if you, whenever. But I don't see that happening, you know, more often than not. Yeah. But anyway, back to what Justin was saying about, you know, there is, you are investing in people. The leadership is investing in people in your youth group. But there's something stirring, you know, at your church and your youth ministry. Is that right? Yeah. What's going on, man? Yeah. Well, I believe that whenever revival happens, that it's not ever going to be easy. And I think we pray and we ask God to stir up a revival and we expect it to be a cakewalk, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. If we're asking for a revival, that means that there's going to be a big, big target on our back, especially if we understand that Satan is limited because he is. Satan is limited. God is unlimited. So if Satan is limited, that means that he's only going to attack certain people. Because he can't, he can only do but so much. And if he's going to attack certain people, he's only be attacking the people that are making these Holy Spirit ripple effects, these kingdom impacting waves that are a stumbling block in the gates of hell. Satan's going to be attacking those certain people. And mm. attack looks different for everybody. Attack for some people may may seem like it's from their best friend. Attack may look like maybe it's somebody on your staff. An attack may look like somebody who had your back, but then kind of goes against you and turns against you. And sometimes it's sometimes it's difficult whenever you're in that season. And sometimes it's difficult to trust God and say, "Man, are you are you are you sure? Like, do I really want to do this?" Even during the the, the tough times and the tragedy and the times of tears, do I really want to keep persevering? And we got to hold fast and know that. Our time here on earth is so short mm -hmm. and that there are so many souls at stake. There are so, so many souls that don't even know God. There's so many souls that have heard of God, but there's a lot of souls that don't even know the gospel. They don't even know what's in the Bible. They don't even know that thing in their soul that they're they're searching for. They don't know where to find that because we all have that that God-sized hole. I think Justin was, was would speak this in, in our youth group when I was a senior, saying, like, God, this God-sized hole in your heart that's only meant to be filled by, by God, but the world's trying to find other ways to fill that hole when it's only meant to be filled by God.